0: Our scripture lesson today comes from uh, Numbers chapter 11, and I'll read uh, 24 to 31. Hear the Word of God. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, with Moses, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, there, however two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to, to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. This is the word of the Lord. So, one of the deals of getting a pastor who's had a couple of churches and been in one place for a long time is that you get somebody who's tired of preaching Acts 2 on Pentecost every year. Um, And since I grew up in this tradition in which many people have said to me, well, we definitely know God and we hear a lot about Jesus, but who is this Holy Spirit guy? Um, I've spent a fair fair amount of time trying to figure out how do we understand the Holy Spirit, not just on Pentecost, but how do we understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers the church for everything that we're supposed to be doing, and how do we connect with that? Um, You may be glad to know that I have given up on the idea that in order to have the Spirit, you have to be expressively exuberant people, because that's not the nature, sorry, is that offensive? That's not the nature of this community. Right? We will find ways to allow the Holy Spirit to work the way the Holy Spirit wants to work through the exact particular kinds of people that we are. But make no mistake, we do need to learn to continue to depend on that Holy Spirit. Context, always context. I read 24 to 31 You should, after this, go home and read the entire chapter, and if you, that's not enough, read the whole book, um, read the whole Bible. But this context of this story is that we're talking about the Holy Spirit being spread, multiplied, but it starts with, now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. So the start of this chapter is they've just left Sinai, where God gave them the Ten Commandments, and... And they messed up and then he forgave them and then they started on their way and the first thing they start doing is complaining anybody else know anybody like that and they complain and god hears it and not surprisingly as a parent of his people god finds it annoying when his people complain fair enough if you've parented or led anybody you probably have that same experience It's tiring when people complain about things, especially when what they're complaining about is the fact that they're getting miraculous food every day from heaven, right? And all kids get miraculous food from heaven because most kids aren't really sure where the food comes from other than mom or dad puts it on the table and it was in the cupboard, right? But this actual miraculous falling from heaven kind of food, most of us when we read it, we think these people should just be thrilled every day. Have you ever eaten the exact same meal for an entire week? Right, okay, we can probably begin to relate to what they're going through. And in this case, it becomes like a refrain. Again, this is a few verses later, verse four, again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt. Ouch, do you know their story? They were slaves in Egypt, and they're saying, if only we could go back to the good old days when we were slaves and had to work all the time and got beaten because at least we had fish, right? Wow, that is demented. That is really missing what's going on here. But again, let's own this. This is humanity. We have this strange ability to want to go back to what was before, even if it wasn't really as good as we thought it was, and we have a hard time moving into what is new, even if by going through a couple of tough things, we're gonna to get to something way better. Most of us, let's admit, even if we know the best way forward is say to work out more, to eat healthier, and to see a counselor to deal with all aspects of our dysfunction in our lives, but prefer to say, yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna carry on the journey that I'm on because I know this journey. I know how it works, and I'm going to stay with it, right? And so this idea of God saying, you know, I'm going to take you on this journey, and it's going to be tough, but you're going to see my miraculous power over and over again. But if you tough it out, you'll be formed into a people that really knows how to live in this world. And so calling us to submit to that kind of reality is what Jesus, what God is doing um, through these stories. And I just threw you under the bus, so I guess I got to throw me too. This this goes for leaders too. This is Moses going to God for the people. He's going, I can't carry all these people by myself. There's 600,000 of them. That's just the men. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, just kill me. Wow. There's a leadership position for you, right? I'd rather die than lead this group of people. That's kind of what he's saying, right? and anyone who's led people there definitely are days i don't know but i would rather die but man there's a lot of these people and there's a lot of different complaints and i don't know what to do with them because i can't fix them because moses had nothing to do with making the manna come right he wasn't in charge of food god was he was simply the one explaining to them and showing them this is how this goes there's a refrain That's in my mind, and as I looked it up, it's mostly in the book of Deuteronomy that God leads his people with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And when Moses says, God, we don't got enough food, and the people are complaining, what in the world are we going to do? Because clearly we can't get enough meat for these people. How are we going to get meat for that many people? God goes, is my arm too short? Is my arm too short? Now, my apologies that My knowledge of Disney movies is from way back. I'm in the era of Toy Story and Lion King, and that's it. So, I know there's a couple more since then, probably, but not in my mind. Remember Toy Story? Rex? Are my arms too short? Right? This is how Moses is picturing God, God who, with an outstretched arm, with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand, would lead his people. Would, would. Um, spread the waters of the Red Sea so they could cross who would bring food down from heaven and they're picturing him like he's a now extinct dinosaur who can't get his arms out and can't find anything because his arms are too short do we sometimes limit how we understand what God can do and this is a messy one right because we have prayed for all kinds of things And sometimes god comes through and we're celebrating we're miraculous we tell those stories over and over again and sometimes his answer is either no or not right now but make no mistake part of faith is understanding it's not that god's arm is too short it's not like he can't reach right but part of the journey is these challenges these difficulties these things of going through the desert and having to eat the same thing every day some of it is those routines which we don't particularly like are still God's way of working on us forming us and shaping us for that ultimate um, prize the holy city or the promised land or life with him in eternity in the fullness of what he has to offer it's not that God's arm is too short now we get to the part where the spirit comes Notice the distances, notice where people are standing. So Moses brought together 70 of their elders, which would be a complete number, a whole number, right? A full representation, if you will. And he had them stand around the tent. Make sure you understand that, right? It's not standing around in the tent, right? They're not just standing around wondering what's gonna happen. They're outside the tent and around it. Do you know why they're outside the tent? Moses is in the tent. It's because this is God's holy presence. Right? So this is the other deal about these people complaining. God actually traveled with them. They saw a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. They saw God's presence and it would land on the tent of meeting and goes, Moses would go into that, that cloud and stand there and talk with God. But they all knew that if they got too close, they weren't gonna make it. So they stood around. He told them, you stand around here and you wait. Right? So pretty clearly, they're seeing the powerful presence of God at work right before them in that moment. And then the multiplication, the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with Moses, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. Now, what kind of a spirit of God was on Moses? Because Moses was the one who's going, God, if you're not going to help me, kill me. That's a strange spirit to have on him. This is one of those interesting dynamics we need to always be aware of. Even though somebody has incredible spiritual gifts, right? Think of 1 Corinthians 13, even though I have the faith that can move mountains, if I don't have love, I have nothing, right? Even though people have incredible gifts, if they are not um, maturing, if they're not trusting, if they're not continually putting themselves in a place of surrender to God, those gifts can actually be dangerous, Right? So, we have complaining Israelites and bemoaning leader Moses, and God comes down and says, I'm going to take some of the spirit that I put on you, and I'm going to multiply. I'm going to put it on these other people, and he does so. And notice this, like with love, with the spirit, when you give the spirit away, when you multiply the spirit, you have more, right? It doesn't diminish. So... If I feel love, that's pretty awesome for me. If I love other people and they feel love, that's better. If I keep loving more and more people and they experience that, I don't feel less loved. I actually feel more love in that process. And the Spirit's the same kind of thing, right? We don't need to hang on to this and say, well, the church has control of how we do this and we need to hold on to these things. It's something that as we share it and multiply it and give it away, God recognizes it grows, right? It deepens and it becomes more full. So in the old testament this is a teaching from uh, nikki gumbel in um, alpha by the way in the old testament the spirit landed on particular people at particular times for particular tasks right so one of, the, one of the coolest stories in the old testament about the holy spirit coming was god said you're gonna make the tabernacle and you're gonna make this really cool stuff out of gold and wood and so on he had people who for 400 years had been making bricks and probably weren't getting any training on the side because they made bricks all day and then they went to bed right so god says hey make make me some really amazing um crafts out of out of wood and gold and so on and they're going yeah who who knows how to do that and god says oh i'm going to put my spirit on uh, bezalel i think was his name not Bezemer. bezalel let's be clear right maybe Bezemer." and he could do these things and then when he was done he was done here when the spirit rested on them They prophesied, but did not do so again. And sometimes this is how the Spirit works. When you receive the Spirit, when you have an anointing, you have this sense of, oh, wow, I feel something right now, and and maybe you speak in tongues, or or maybe you have some other um, sense of what God is doing that you need to work through. And sometimes it pauses, right? This was a sign to them. God moved. And I encourage you, that as you seek God's Spirit, as you pray with others, that you pay attention to those times where you're going, oh, something went on there. I felt something there. I experienced something. Something powerful came into my mind. It's different, so I can't tell you exactly what's going to be. I just encourage you to be aware and open and to share those things as they happen. And then the distance anointing. However, there were two men who had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not get the memo to go out to the tent. And yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. Now, as far as I'm concerned, this means that the three people who we have voted in as and picked by lots as office bearers do not need to be installed today because they could be installed where they were, right? God works that way. We're gonna do it anyways. But look how this happens again, right? So they were meant to be there, and it doesn't explain why they weren't there. Maybe they had to take care of something very important. But nonetheless, the Spirit goes upon them. I think this is so important to understand because we often want to boil the work of the Holy Spirit down to, if we do this and this and this, then the Spirit works. And if you don't do it exactly in the right order, then it doesn't work. Well, in all of my practice of ministry, especially the things around the work of the Holy Spirit, including doing things like casting out demons, I've had lots of people tell me that the Bible gives you all these rules. The Bible actually doesn't give you any steps to take. It tells you, believe that Jesus has the victory, that the Holy Spirit's upon you, and that if you pray and trust, he's going to work through you. Those are your marching orders. Go for it, right? That might explain why some of us are scared of this kind of work, possibly, right? The Spirit works in his own surprising ways or her own surprising ways. The Holy Spirit works as the Spirit works. Um, I may have told you this story before, but don't stop me. I'm going to tell it anyways. I went to a um, pastor's gathering to be anointed in the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure I even knew that's what it was when I was going there. Um, And I always say it this way. The preaching was horrible, right? The singing was amazing. And then they said, okay, line up and we're going to slay you in the spirit. We're going to anoint you in the spirit and you're going to fall down. I had been brought up with that, as you may know. And I thought, he will? Why? I don't get it. Shouldn't there be a better sermon first before this happens? That's what I was brought up with. So the leader, the preacher, I was out in the foyer because there were so many of us, came through the door. And as he came through the door, I felt the spirit move. I'm going, but I don't believe this. He didn't care, isn't that interesting? And I went down, which I didn't believe in, but then I did, of course. Interesting second part of the story, because now I think, oh, I know how the Spirit works. Doesn't matter how the preaching goes, as long as the music's good, and when they come, then you'll, you'll go down. Kidding, that's not how it works. So I'm ready the next day, same lousy sermon and great singing. Person comes out, I feel nothing. God's just whispering in my ear, Eric, I'm never going to tell you exactly how I work. Trust me, that's what you need to know, all right? So if anyone tells you exactly what you need to do to make everything happen, if they want to put it in a nice box for you, that's good structure and order, and we know all about that stuff, but that's not necessarily how the Spirit works. The Spirit works where it will and in the ways that it will. They prophesied in the camp. Now look how they responded classic people. Funny how that goes. In groups and control issues, a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' age, this is his, his mentee, the guy who had been walking with him since his youth, said, Moses, my lord, stop them. What are they worried about? What are they worried about? Somebody has gotten too big for their britches and decided on their own that they're going to go and do ministry in the power of the Lord, and we didn't control that. We didn't manage that. That sounded all familiar to us, right? They're just going off because, well, they had the spirit. Nikki Gumbel tells a great story about this, again, in the Alpha Material, uh, at least the old Alpha Material. People are sitting in a church service, and somebody's moved by what's going on, and and, right, is praising and, and, and shouting and looking more out of control than the rest of the people around them. And someone taps him on the shoulder and says, what are you doing? The person says, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. The person says, well, you didn't get it here. (laughs) Anybody working in the power of the Spirit, whether they got it from you and your church or not, got it from God. We live in a world where there are a whole variety of expressions of Christianity. You know that. Right? There's a whole variety of expressions of faith. There's a whole variety of ways that people experience what God is doing among them. Right? And we need to allow and understand and embrace the fact that it comes from God. That's on his initiative. And he do, does that as he will because he's God and it's his spirit. You know that at Pentecost, the disciples weren't sitting there going, I can't wait until we get filled with spirit because we're going to take this world by storm. They were sitting there scared that they were going to get in trouble and probably get arrested. That's what they were thinking. But nonetheless, God, by his spirit, makes it happen in his way and as he will. And then this foreshadow, in fact, this whole passage is really a foreshadow. Moses said, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Well, good news for you, Moses. That is exactly God's plan. Joel 2, I'll pour out my spirit on young men and old men, on men and women, right? I'll pour it out on all my people, and they'll all prophesy. And then on Pentecost, that's what Peter preaches on. He quotes Joel 2 in Acts 2 and says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, and young men will prophesy, and old men will prophesy, and males and females will prophesy, and everyone will do the work of God. Because that's the idea behind this. Not that we wait for the Moses to do it, Not even that we wait for the 70 to do it, but on whomever God pours out His Spirit, whomever God inspires and gathers. I remember working in a church once, and someone asked me, this is a bit of a translation, pastor, are we allowed to go help those people in Jesus' name? I'm going, why are you asking me that? How could the question, how could the answer not be yes? They said, oh, we wanted to know if we need the council's permission. I thought, oh, I don't think the job of the council is to give people the spirit and decide who's allowed to do ministry. We need to manage and encourage and lead and all those kinds of things. But let's be clear. This is God's church. It's Jesus who's our head, not any of us. And it's the Holy Spirit who inspires and fills. And our response to anybody who says, I sense God calling me to do this is to say, How can I help? How can I support you in that? Here's my questions. How are we going to allow this to take place with power and with God's blessing and with people experiencing it as the full movement of the Holy Spirit of God? Folks, let's continue to open our hearts, our minds, our community, ourselves, to God's Spirit being at work, anointing us for all that He has in store. Keep your eyes, your ears, and your hearts open, because God will pour out his spirit and he will continue to work through us, his people. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that when you left, you promised us that you would send the spirit and you did. And we thank you for Pentecost and we thank you for all the different times we've seen your spirit at work. We thank you for the way you work in quiet and powerful ways. We thank you for the ways you work in surprising and exuberant ways. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your spirit is at work among us. Give us the faith to know that, to hold on to that truth, and give us the eyes to see where you're at work at this time. And Lord, may we see you move. May we step in and join you. May we experience the fullness of all that you have to offer. Lord, we offer ourselves to you. Come and fill us as only you can. We pray in your holy name. Amen.